you guys, if you want to be turning your Bibles, we'll be in the book of John, chapter 14. I know many of these over here, you're working in the back. I think Jason's given some instructions now. Those of you that need to go and work with the children, be the things you have to do, you're, you're welcome to go back there. I want to say to the rest of you, if you could, please, please stay. Um, we'd love to have you be a part of the service, as many of you as can this morning. Uh, I want to I wanna just follow up real quick. Sheriff doesn't have any doubts about my feelings about him. Um, love him to death. Pray for him daily. But one of the things I love to have a sheriff of my hometown is to walk up on a platform with the word of God in his hand. And he walks with it in his hand because he walks every day with it in his heart. He's a living, breathing testimony. I thank God for that and for these that are serving our community. Thank you so much. John chapter number 14, a few weeks ago I preached a message on the Savior is bigger than the situation. And I never started out for that to be a series. I was just preaching on where Jesus said I am. And we looked at where Jesus said I am, the bread of life. As he fed the multitudes there in Bethsaida and he walked on water and he calmed the storms. And he went over to Capernaum and he said I am the bread of life. And I thought it was just going to be a message. I was looking to preach a message. But that kind of turned into somewhat of a series, if you will. And each one had kind of a different subtitle. I don't know that I would even have a subtitle for that one this morning. It would simply be, the Savior is bigger than the situation. I don't know any other way to put it, any better way to put it. We look at where Jesus taught his disciples. He said, I am the door. He taught his disciples. He said that I am the shepherd. And we looked at the good shepherd. We looked at where Jesus, when he was talking with Martha, just before calling Lazarus out of the tomb, he said, I am the resurrection, and the life. Well, this morning, I guess the only thing I know to call it will be part six of the Savior is bigger than the situation. I want to look at John chapter 14 and verse number one. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for these precious words that are written and read. They came out of your very own mouth through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray you'd take them this morning, and I pray, God, that they would achieve the purpose for which you sent them this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I did a couple of things on this series, and then we did something else, and then I did something else, and we did something, and we come back. I keep finding myself back at this series, but all I can accredit that to is that God keeps bringing messages back for a certain purpose for a certain day. Amen. So if you're here today, there are no accidents in God's time. I started out last Sunday morning. I said, we live in a very different day from the one that I grew up in. We live in a very different kind of society, a different kind of place. Everything is very different. There are things done in public today that would not have been whispered in private just a few years ago. Things that are completely against the Word of God. Things that are completely against the will of God. 
things that are totally and completely against the way of God. And our society says they're okay. I'm here to tell you, no, they're not. If God says it's sin, it's sin. And as children of God, our job is to love every sinner. There's not to be a person on this planet that we are not to love with everything in us. God, help me love people, but I cannot love the sin. Amen? I'm sure a lot of you probably know by now about this bill called Bill 2943 in the state of California. Anybody familiar with that? If you're not, you're going to be in just a minute. There's a lot of articles. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of debate, a lot of politicking going on around this thing. I'll read you a short little brief part of it right here from one article that says, Even though we've known for decades that the liberals are typically hostile to anything having to do with Christian faith, most of us never thought we'd see the day when the legality of the Bible itself was put in jeopardy. Yet in the socialist state of California, that is exactly what appears to be happening. Assembly Bill 2943 would make it an unlawful business practice to engage in a transaction intended to result in or that results in the sale or lease of goods or services to any consumer that either advise, uh, advertises or engages in sexual orientation change efforts with an individual. In the bill, the phrase sexual orientation change efforts is defined as any practices that seeks to change an individual's sexual orientation. This includes efforts to change behaviors or gender expressions or to eliminate or reduce sexual romantic attractions or feelings toward individuals of the same sex. It would appear that this definition would include the Bible since the Bible explicitly condemns homosexual behavior and defines marriage as being between one man and one woman. That means that if Assembly Bill 2943 is officially signed into law, it could ban the sale of the Bible in the state of California. For which obvious reasons would be an assault not just on the Constitution, but on the very fabric of America. What that law says very simply is any book that condemns homosexuality, any book that condemns a woman dressing like a man or a man dressing like a woman or acting like an opposite sex, any book that speaks against homosexuality, that book would be against the law to be sold in the state of California and there's not a book on the planet that condemns it more than the word of God and what they're saying is they'll ban the sale of the Bible in the state of California if they can pass that law. It's beyond my comprehension that that could ever even be said out loud in the United States of America. It is a result of a society that's forgotten where they come from and forgotten who they are. We were founded by God's Word. We were founded on God's Word. And as children of God, we are children of God's Word. But I will tell you this. Everything that's changing is not changing for the worse. The Savior is still bigger than the situation. There's days in this life where sometimes we just need a little encouragement. Things aren't all bad. Everything that's changing, all of it's not for the worse. As Christians, you and I no longer have the desire to do the things that we used to do. Amen? The things that we used to do in days past are now a faded memory. Those of us who are over 50 and 60 and up, and to be honest, a lot of you, those even probably on into your 40s pretty well, we're on the downhill side of life. That's just not very encouraging for a Sunday morning, is it? 
But as we look back in the rear view mirror, I don't look back with regret that it's gone. I don't look back and wish there was anything back there that I could bring up here to be with me. I look in the rear view mirror. I see the things that God delivered me from. I see the things that God saved me from. I see the things that God brought me out of, and I don't want to see any of them up here where I am today. Amen. I, I am as close to God as I have ever been, and to move backwards one day is to move further away from God and closer to the things of the world, and I have no desire to go back. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I, I would say this, I probably didn't fulfill that scripture very good. When I became a young man, I didn't put away childish things. It wasn't until I became a man of God that things made a difference in my life. And things began to change. Some of us have reached an age where sickness has prevailed. Our health isn't as good. And some can't even get out and come to church anymore. They're, they're bedridden or have issues while they can't get out of the house. And for some, there's lots of problems that we deal with on a daily basis. I know probably none of us in here, but there are people in this world who have to deal with things like stress. Some people who have relationship problems or marriage problems, people who have um, problems at work, people who have issues with their children. Some of you in here this morning, you're not old enough to understand this one, but you know, sometimes you get up in the morning, it takes a minute to get everything moving in the right direction. You can tell the ones that are my age, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Try to get forward momentum going the, the way you want things to go and you know, you, you went to bed last night, and your back was hurting, and you had a headache. And you woke up this morning, and praise God, my back's better, and my headache's gone, but my shoulder's killing me. <laughs> you go to bed with your shoulder hurt, and you wake up, man, my shoulder's good, but what in the world is wrong with my knee? I must have slept on it. And you get up the next morning, and your knee is better, and you go in there, and your wrist is so bad, you can't even pick up the coffee pot to pour yourself a cup of coffee. You're looking all over the house trying to find your glasses, and you had them on the whole time. You, you walk into a room to get something, and once you get in there for the life of you, you can't remember why in the world I got up out of my comfortable seat and came in here, but I know there's something I needed to get, and you ain't going to remember until you go sit back down. See a picture of your family with you in it and say, who is that old dude? I saw something the other day. There's a picture somebody took here at the church, and I was in the group picture. My back was turned. I did not know I was nearly whiteheaded. I'm familiar with these ones that have abandoned ship. I'm familiar with the ones that checked out in the third quarter and didn't stick around to see how this all works out. But I didn't know the ones back there. They stuck around, but they scared white. I looked at that picture. I said, that cannot be me. I'll I get a haircut or something. I guess the white ones have grown out and the dark ones is shorter. All I'm saying is, is some things change. I a couple of weeks ago, I was looking for something on television to watch, which is a mistake, but praise God, football's back. I'm sorry. To watch something on TV, and I turned over to WJCN, this community program, and I clicked to see what it is, and it was a rerun, Faith Baptist Church. Last few minutes, I said, well, I'll watch that and see if this guy knows anything about what he's preaching about. You know you have no idea how country you are to you hear yourself talk. I thought, man, we, we need to do something with our sound system. 
Man, we got to do better. That's terrible. That's terrible. I sound like a hit from Hogansville. <laughs> Who in the world? Nobody, let nobody really talk like that. I just, we're going to do, we're gonna have to do something to get Larry to do a, a better job. But here was the amazing part. At the end, it goes to a thing right after the invitation. says, hey, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us at Faith Baptist Church Day. I'm um, glad to have you. And I mean, it's a great little ad, and, and I really mean what we say. That camera's on. I really mean that. It's great to have you tune in at Faith Baptist Church. It's our prayer that God did something special for you. The problem was I filmed that four and a half years ago, and I looked 30 years younger. It looked like my son. I told Larry, we've got to redo that thing. Man, it's been a rough four and a half years. There's been such a good four and a half years. All I'm saying is, is times are changing. The older I get, the more forgetful I may get. The more I may have difficulties and some aches and pains. But every day I get older. And every day I look in the rearview mirror. That's one day further away from the day that Jesus saved my soul 32 years ago. And that's one day closer to the home that Jesus told me he's gone to prepare. So everything's not changing for the worse. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to another day. Here in this gospel, we have this eyewitness account of Jesus, the only begotten Son of the living God, making a statement. I've used this statement here from this passage many times in funerals, and I want you to know it's not because it's a funeral message. It's because it's a message of hope. It's a message of encouragement, letting us know that there is a better day. Jesus gives this message. I mean, he's in the shadow of the cross right here. We're just a few days away from Calvary. And Jesus takes time to share a message with his disciples and just a few around him to let them know this is a message of hope. This is a message of inspiration. This is a message of life. And not only did he share it with them, but he put it in his book to share it with everybody that will take time to read this love letter. Amen. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm going away. He went on a little later in the text, said, My father will send you a comforter. I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to send you some hope. I'm going to send you some help. The father will send you a comforter, and he'll help you. He'll remind you of all things, whatsoever I said. But, but he said, I'm going to be gone for a little while, but I'm coming back. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in the father. Believe in me. Two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 11, and then last week we're Hebrews chapter 10. So this morning we'll look at Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says in verse number 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But that's not the end of the story. He was here, and he's gone for now at the right hand of the Father, sent the Comforter to be here with us, but he says, I'm coming back. And when I'm coming back, I'm taking all those who have trusted in my name, all those who have accepted my free gift, I'm taking them with me, and I'm going to prepare a place for them. I heard an old preacher say one time, he was talking about how this world is not my home. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I'm just a stranger living in this land on my way to the promised land. But he said, one of these days, he said, I don't own this old body. And the one that owns it is going to call for rent payment. One of these days, my rent is going to come due. And for all of you who have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, on that day, your rent is paid in full by the only one that could pay it. 
But for those who have never trusted Jesus, for those who have never tasted the free gift of salvation, which is the gift of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, he said the price is greater than you can pay. He said when the rent is called for, we're going to have to move out of this old body. And the only thing that's going to matter on that day is what will be your forwarding address. Jesus said, I'm going to work on your forwarding address. I'm going to give you something better than what you got right now. I'm gone for a little while, but I'm going to work on a city built four square, not made with hands whose builder and maker is God. He said, I'm, I'm gone to the Father's house, but I'm coming back. Amen? Verse number 3, Jesus said, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I've heard preachers a lot of times talk about Thomas and call him Doubting Thomas. I've done it myself, probably because I've heard other people do it, and I've seen some of the things that he said. But I, w- I was studying, I was looking at this, and I looked at Thomas. Even, even when, before they went in, before they went to get up Lazarus, Thomas said, let's go that we may die with him. I'm not sure that Thomas is doubting all this stuff. I think Thomas may be just one of those matter-of-fact kind of people. You know, he just likes to see things for himself so that he gets the facts right. Everybody in here this morning, you need to make sure that you've seen it for yourself. Amen. You need to make sure that you got the facts right because you can't go on somebody else's testimony. You, you need to make sure you've got your story straight. See, you can't see God in somebody else's prayers. You can't be saved because your mom and dad told you you were back when you were younger. you got to be sure for yourself. When Jesus showed up and talked with the disciples after the resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. Thomas said, I'll not believe it, except I see it for myself. Now, here's the deal. He didn't say, I won't believe it. He didn't say, I won't ever believe he's alive because I saw him die. He said, I won't believe it until I see it. The Bible says that Jesus walked in again, and they were there, and he showed them his hands and his feet and told Thomas, thrust his hand into his side, and he said, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas wasn't saying that it wasn't true. He just said, I want to be sure because your faith can't be built on somebody else's testimony. Your trust can't be built on what somebody else said. Your salvation can't be because somebody else trusted Christ. You have to know that you 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 you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't shout on somebody else's testimony. You can't praise him on somebody else's story. You can't worship him about what happened in somebody else's life. It's your life. When he showed up for you, what he did for you, the prayers that he answered for you, you need your own testimony. Because when you have your own testimony, you don't need the choir to get you started worshiping on Sunday morning. When you got your own story, you don't need a worship leader to tell you to stand up and worship. Because when you got your own story, there's a fire burning inside of you that just burns. You just want to praise him some. You just want to rejoice some. And it don't matter if somebody else shows up and tries to wet your wood. Your fire will burn anyway. It's the same fire that lapped up the water out of the ditch for Elijah. It's your story. And God did something for you. 
You don't need nobody to help you praise him. You know it's him that got you out of bed this morning. You know it's him that protected you last week. You know it's him that took care of you. You know it's him that put food on your table. You know it's him that put clothes on your back. You know it's him that loved you when nobody else would. It's him. But you got to have your own story. Well, somebody else's story ain't going to do it for you. Here in the text, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the English language, in order for things to make sense, we add in things, adverbs and adjectives and prepositions. We, we put conjunctions. We put things in there to try to make them make sense. Well, right here, there's some words added in. The word the is a definite article. It's an adverb that is added into this to make it make sense. But in the original Greek language, they didn't have those parts of speech. That means that Jesus said, I am way. I am truth. I am life. Besides him, there is none other. But in the correct translated form of the English language, it is, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I'm not part of the way. I'm not one of the pieces of your way. He said, I am the only way. But by me, there is no other way. Nothing else is going to get you there. Muhammad can't take you there. Buddha ain't going to get you there. I told you last week, if you're following those two, when you get to hell, they'll already be there ahead of you. They have nothing to offer you. They are dead in the grave and gone. All they're doing is deceiving people. We live in this society of religious pluralism today where they say there's many ways to get to heaven. I'm here to tell you this morning, unashamedly, they're a liar. There is one way. I'm here to tell you that it is the word of God. There is no other way. The enemy will lie to you. The enemy will trick you. The enemy will deceive you. The enemy will tell you whatever he can to get you to think you might be going to heaven. I'm here to tell you without shame, without hesitancy, without regret, without any change in the matter whatsoever, there is a way that you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only way. There is no other one. Islam is a lie. It can't get you one foot off this ground. Charles Taze Russell is a lie. Him and his Jehovah's Witnesses have nothing to offer you. Just to give you right off the top, they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in the flesh. They believe he's a created being. They do not believe that God is a triune God. They believe that the second coming is a spiritual presence that began in 1914. They believe that the dead only exist in the mind of God and that the wicked will not be punished. And anybody who dies in that will spend an eternity in hell in spite of the fact that Jesus Christ paid the debt. You cannot believe false testimony, false witnesses, and false God and go to heaven. The Mormons, the Mormons, Church of the Latter-day Saints, they're not going to get you to heaven. They have nothing to offer. They believe that the Bible is one of only four sacred books. One of the other ones, of course, would happen to be the Book of Mormons. Imagine that. 
They believe that the Trinity is three different gods born at three different times and that the earth is only one of many inhabited planets that are ruled by little g gods and goddesses. They believe that mankind and God is of the same species, that God begot all man through having intercourse with his wife in heaven and that we are simply sent to earth for the potential of exaltation into Godhood. Jesus said, there's one way and I'm it. You can believe all that garbage if you want to. You can do whatever you want, but I'm putting my trust in Jesus. I'm staying with the one that brought me here. I'm staying with the one that picked me up out of my sin. I'm staying with the one that on the day I said I trust you and I want you to save me, it changed my life. Old things passed away. Behold, all things became new. Old habits went away. I wanted everything different in life. I'm staying with the one that brought me here. Others can take whatever they want. Others can back away from the word of God if they want. Others can attempt to to play other things with other gods and foolish things if they want. They can play footsies with the world if they want. But the world is going to land you in hell. I'm here to tell you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way. I don't have time to preach this right now, so I'll just move on to the next one, but I'll give it to you real quick. You know, Acts chapter 11, um, where we were first called Christians at Antioch. Prior to that, anybody know what they were called? The people of the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm going to heaven because I'm following the way. But he said also that I am truth. He didn't say I'm part of the truth. He didn't say I'm a piece of the truth. He said, I am truth. That means beside me, everything else is a lie. But by me, there is no truth. Anything that is not of God, anything that is not of the Lord Jesus Christ is a lie. Anything that contradicts the word of God is a lie. The Bible says in John 1.1 that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the word, and anything that contradicts the word is a lie. Not just for now, but for all of eternity. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. There will never be a day when anything else is true above the holy written word of God. Doesn't matter who believes that, and it doesn't matter who doesn't. You can turn off the television, you can walk out the door, you can go home and fuss. Whether you believe it or not makes no difference. Won't change things one bit. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome, and in chapter 3, verse 3, he said, For what if some do not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but let every man a liar. God says, Whether you believe it or not, that's your choice. But it'll never change the fact that Jesus Christ is the truth. Everything else is a lie. But then he said, I am life. That word life comes from a Greek word that means I am breath. It means I am spirit. Jesus isn't talking about this life. He's talking about eternal life. Now, in order for him to be able to make that claim, he had to first go through death. That's why in John chapter 10, Jesus is talking to the multitudes. He made this statement about life. He said, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. Romans chapter 5, Paul said, For by one man's disobedience were many made sinners. That's all of us in this place. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. That's everybody in this place is following the way. Verse number 20, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, somebody ought to shout right here, Grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is eternal life. I'm not going to be seated in heavenly places. According to the word of God, I already am. God already sees me there. He's already put me there. I'm seated at the king's table just waiting for dinner to be served. I'm already there. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, verse number 5. He said, we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are seated in heavenly places because we trusted Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am life. The same as the first two. He didn't say I'm part of the life. He didn't say I'm a piece of the life. He said, anything that isn't by me is death. All there is outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is death, hell, and destruction. Everything else is a lie. I read the law to you last week from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. I'm going to read it to you again in closing this morning. Verse number 15, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. And that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, Lord God, America, pay attention. But if thine heart turn away, so thou shalt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that ye shall utterly perish. Oh, say, so it says, surely, ye shall surely perish, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life. And length of thy days. Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. We're living in a world that don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. Robin and I met a guy men's warehouse. Friday night, I guess it was. He's probably too drunk to remember. But he, he tried, you know, you don't have to excuse yourself to me. Spare your excuses for me. I'm not the judge. He, he said, I'm not, I'm not a good God-fearing man, but I do anything to help anybody out. I help people all the time. Well, you just be one more good person in hell. It's all about Jesus. 
Nothing else has mattered. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've trusted him as your personal Lord and Savior, then he says, I'm on the other side right now. I'm working on your house. I'm working on your mansion. It's going to be something like you ain't never seen. It ain't going to be nothing like over on Country Club Drive. It ain't going to be nothing like the high side of town. It ain't going to be nothing like them rich spots up in Atlanta. It ain't going to be Peachtree City. You ain't seen nothing like what I'm working on. But if you've already trusted in me, I'm working on your place right now. And one day when I get done with it, he said, don't worry about what day that is. Don't worry about what day that is. No man knoweth the day nor the hour, only the Father in heaven. Don't worry about what day I'm coming back. You just know I'm coming back. Don't worry about what day I'm going to get you. You just know I'm going to get you. Don't worry about what day you're going to get to move into your new mansion. Just know you're going to get to move into your new mansion. But in the meantime, you be faithful here on this earth. When I do come, you ain't going to be expecting me. Don't let me find you doing something you ought not be doing. Let me find you serving me. Let me find you while you are here, while you are waiting. Be living faithfully to the things of God. Be serving and be loving on people. Be out there telling the world that don't want to hear it. Tell them anyway. There's a God that loves you so much that Jesus Christ died for you. And anything but the blood of Jesus Christ is going to take you to hell. world don't want to hear that today. But it ain't going to change the truth. Could I have you stand this morning? We, we even sang about the day I remember. I will remember. Anybody remember the day? You remember the day that Jesus saved your soul? Do you remember what you were the day before? Do you remember what he brought you from? Do you remember the things you used to partake of that he delivered you from? Do you remember the things that he dried up out of your body? Do you remember the things that he brought you? Do you, do you remember like yesterday when you woke up knowing if you died, I was going to go to heaven so you ain't got nothing to worry about? You remember you woke up this morning with some joy in your heart? With some goodness because of what he did. The song said, I will remember. Will you? Do you remember the day that he saved your soul? If you remember the day, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you remember the day. I remember the day when Jesus saved my soul. You raise your hand. I remember the day when Jesus saved my soul. If you can't raise your hand, please, please don't walk out of that door without getting it right this morning. Altar's open if you guys just want to come pray and thank him some. But if I could have heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, are you willing to do that today? I don't, it doesn't matter what you trusted in, your works, your looks, your money, your social status. It doesn't matter what you've trusted in. It's all a lie. It's all about Jesus Christ. Are you willing today to trust him as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you willing to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner because I promise you, you are. Every one of us in this place is a sinner, starting with me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Are you willing to say, Lord, I am a sinner? I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul. In Jesus' name. You said that prayer from your heart to God. That's not a magic prayer. That's your heart surrendered to Christ. If you've trusted Jesus this morning, your personal Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you one more time. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and save my soul in Jesus' name. It's the name of Jesus that does it. If you prayed this morning, you said, I've asked Jesus to save me this morning. 
I want to go to heaven when I die. And I've got it right now. I, I prayed today. And I know I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did for me. I asked him to save me this morning. You slip your hand up right where you're at. I'm not going to come.